0: When the U.S. Global Change Research Project put out the call last year for works of art to be featured in the fifth national climate assessment,
1: the response was overwhelming. We got over 800 submissions um, from across the country. The goal, to provide a powerful lens for examining our relationship with a changing climate. Bringing art into that conversation is powerful because it allows us to grapple with the topic in a different way than just, you know, seeing text on a page. The submissions were as broad and diverse as the artists themselves. We had grief and we had hope, and it really was quite a remarkable um, spectrum of topics and, and kind of perspectives that people were bringing to this. Submissions pushing the boundaries of science and art... These are artists who are kind of out in the communities making art and educating people around climate change at the same time. Blending the sharp edges, that used to divide two disciplines. So we really did this to bring more people in and to reach people who we might not typically have reached perhaps in the arts community or in the general public. Today we are exploring the convergence of art and science in the 5th
0: National Climate Assessment. Whether you're an artist looking for inspiration or a scientist hoping to improve your communication skills, this episode is for you. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much, much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is great. I absolutely love this episode because it inspired me as a science communicator. It made me think about how different people look at climate change and how I can better share science stories with you, the listeners. My first thought when I spoke to today's guests was that this may not work for a podcast because it's all about art, which is very visual, and you can't see that on the podcast. But I think it's actually a great way to digest this information by hearing about it first and then going and looking at the art online yourself. You can even explore it while you're listening on the National Climate Assessment website. Today, I'm speaking with Aliza Lustig. She's a senior staff manager of the U.S. Global Change Research Program. It's a broad title because she does a lot, and she's a huge reason why the Climate Assessment this year features nearly 100 works of art. She and I will have a discussion about the power of art to inspire and the response that the program has seen so far with this year's assessment. And then I'll be talking to one of the students whose artwork was actually featured in the Climate Assessment. We'll talk about what inspired her and what she thinks about climate change. Here's my conversation with Aliza Lustig. So, can you take me back to where this started from? Where this idea to
1: incorporate artwork came from? Absolutely. So, um, the director of the Fifth National Climate Assessment is Allison Cremens. When Allison joined our team, she um, proposed that we ought to include more art in the assessment, and that can mean many things. Um, I myself have an informal arts background, and so was very taken with this idea. And she and I got to talking and I wrote up a proposal for an open call for art to be featured in the National Climate Assessment. From there, we convened a federal, um, a committee of federal folks who have interest or experience at the intersection of art and science. And as a team, we kind of built out this project. Um, and it's just been really fun to see the ball since those early days. What was the response like once you put out the call? Um, the response was fantastic. And frankly, I didn't know what to expect because this is the first for me. It's the first for our program. But the response was fantastic. We got over 800 submissions um, from across the country, um, from Alaska to uh, to Florida um, and, uh, you know, representing the Pacific Islands and Puerto Rico. And the response really was quite vast. We put out actually two calls, one for youth artists and one for adults ages 18 and up. And um, I was really excited to see traction in both spaces, especially because reaching out to youth is so new to us as well.
0: And looking through them, I was so impressed by the youth submissions. I couldn't believe that they were from children. It's amazing, not only the quality, but kind of the message that they were putting across. So can you
1: explain to me how our can make climate change communication more impactful? So we did this project with the understanding that, you know, together art and science will move people to greater understanding of the climate change um, issue and even to, even to action. Um, And that's because art speaks to emotion. I heard someone say once that emotion is the gateway to memory. Um, You know, if you think back on some of the most vivid uh, memories that you have, oftentimes they're emotional ones. And when we're trying to communicate about climate change, which is a very human issue, bringing art into that conversation is powerful because it allows us to grapple with the topic in a different way than just you know seeing text on a page and and reading about um, and reading about the the numbers and the data. It's just a different access point to the topic.
0: Yeah. I mean, even as a scientist, I feel it's more impactful to me than looking at a graph. It it, sh- it does touch on human emotions, which is so important. So I think, you know, when people think about art and climate change, probably their first thought is going to, you know, like flooded roadways or water covered cities or, you know, the day after tomorrow type of storms attacking a city. But there is a real variety in these submissions, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The submissions cover such an incredible range. Um wildfire was a big theme, ice and melting melting ice was a really big theme, but you know, we got hurricanes, we had, you know, um urban resilience, we had we had grief and we had hope and it really was quite a remarkable um spectrum of topics and and kind of perspectives that people were bringing to this. I think that it was also interesting to see. I think the conversation was very heavy, especially among the adults of people kind of grappling with what they're seeing around climate change right now in the world. And so you did see quite a bit of grief and some anxiety. And when you turn to the kids, um, there was that, too. And at the same time, there was kind of a, a positioning around what they care about that's at risk. So they're kind of recognizing that this is what's really important to me. And they're communicating that through their art. We had um, one student um, who presented a very problem-solving oriented piece. And um, that was really compelling to see that she was thinking about the world in hopeful terms. We had one student, one of my favorite pieces um, of all, was from a student who was like portraying such an imaginative urban landscape with UFOs and flying cows and Godzilla. And it's like, who even knows what was happening there? But her imagination around just like understanding what is happening is so inspiring to me because that's the kind of imagination I want to really bring to this space. And so I just loved seeing her work and I really appreciated it.
0: Were there any submissions that really caught you off guard or surprised you
1: and made you look at climate change in a different light? Oh, oh my gosh. That's a really good question. I mean, hers, certainly. I just like loved the -the out-of-the-box way that she um, was thinking about things. I think by far that's the one that caught me off guard the most. I think there were some pieces, maybe that didn't make me think about climate change differently, but it made me think about the role of art differently. We had a few pieces, for example, by Xavier Cortada, by Linda Gass. These are artists who are um, not only working on art, but creating art by working with people. Um, Michael Snyder is a really good example of that, too. These are artists who are kind of out in the communities making art and educating people around climate change at the same time. And I think that's what I hear from folks that like um, that kind of pushes the boundary of what art is and what it can do into something that's. At the same time as producing something that's so visually compelling, um, it's also really bringing people into the conversation. And that, to me, feels kind of novel and exciting. Were there submissions that were different types of art beyond drawing or painting? Yes, absolutely. And I think let's talk about Michael Snyder's piece um, as an example of that. He went along the entire coastline of, I think, the Chesapeake Bay Area, which is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles and kind of demarcated um, the future, the line of the future coast. And I forget which scenario he used, but he was kind of marking it. You know, it cuts through people's backyards or it cuts through parking lots. He he does incredible work. And at the same time that he's doing this, he's encountering and meeting with groups who are trying to do something about the cha- about about the coastal challenges that their communities will will face. And so the photo that he submitted to us was of a woman kind of representing your organization and holding this a flood level measure or measuring device of some kind. Um, but he's kind of showing that he um, he's out in the world. He's interacting with these groups of people doing things and calling attention to the issue and to their work um, through his art, which I thought was really pretty incredible.
0: So the assessment has come out. And the artwork is incorporated right into the assessment. It's not just a separate gallery somewhere. It is in the assessment. So can you tell me how you incorporated it, how you decided what went where, and then how also it's being received by people who are reading the report?
1: So it was really important to Allison. and It was really important to me that this work not just be a side piece, um, that it be really part and parcel to... um, to the report itself. Now, we obviously include all these artist statements, which, by the way, are incredibly powerful and add a lot to the work themselves. Those were those are not part of the assessment, so to speak. But but featuring the art so prominently is important for the reasons we've discussed. Um, so having a gallery was really great. Um, we took a lot of inspiration from other groups that had been that have been doing this work. Um kind of in the art science space already, I wanna give a shout out to the Tidal Shift project, which is up in Maine. Um, their art gallery was an inspiration for me. And, um, and I think their project in general is really great. Um, so, so yeah, so creating a gallery that features both the artwork and the artist statement was, was kind of the end goal. And then in addition to doing that, we also decided to feature the artworks throughout the assessment itself. So that was just kind of a matter of getting real familiar with the assessment content and really familiar with the art and the intention behind the art itself and then matchmaking. And that for me was so much fun. I love doing that project. We also use the art to precede the chapters in banners. The authors have just been thrilled about that and thrilled to see the artwork show up in their chapters. Um, And so I think from that perspective, it's been really well received. Outside of kind of just doing this integration work, I've So far, seeing that the art has been um, also well-received by the public, we are, um, you know, tentatively talking with other museums in the D.C. area, in New York City about, you know, bringing this art to the public into their communities. We are, you know, we got a fun write-up in Forbes, which was really exciting. Um, And the actual, you know, the presidents of the United States, um, President Biden decided to feature not only the art, but also one of our youth artists in his morning announcement when the report was actually launched back in November. Um, so I think at all levels, this artwork seems to be making an impact and it's just been really exciting to see.
0: It's really cool to me too, because I feel like I grew up in a time where you were either an artist or you were a scientist, but you weren't both. And so this is so cool for kids to have this eye-opening way of looking at things that you can be both. You
1: can you know, have this right brain, left brain working together, it's just so important to bring art into these spaces and um, to have artists and scientists collaborating even is so exciting. Um, we have one artwork, which is by Julia and Tim Purinton. My understanding is that I, I think one of them is an artist and the other one is a scientist. And they kind of collaborated together on this piece. And I just love to see that. And I would love to see more of that. Um, because it really just starts to blur the line between the disciplines in an exciting way. Yeah. Do you
0: foresee any other types of art merging with science, like music, um, you know, just different types of arts that could be incorporated and help communicate science
1: in a different way? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think um, I can't speak for the USGCRP's plans in particular because we'll have to see how it all goes, but um, in theory, absolutely. You know, Music is incredibly powerful emotionally, and I could see that being such a an exciting next step. Video, obviously, also still visual, and you know, kind of adds the audio component. All of these things are so um, have such potential to reach people.
0: Elisa, is there anything else you want to add about the art and climate project or about art and science at all?
1: You know, I guess I would just close by saying that we did this to increase the reach and the resonance of the climate change issue. The reach by bringing more people into this report and into this topic than might typically feel comfortable. The report is something like 2,000 pages long. That's really intimidating to a non-scientific audience and, or a non-policy audience. Um, so we really did this to bring more people in and to reach people who we might not typically have reached perhaps in the arts community or in the general public. Um, and also when I say resonance, I mean to really make this issue matter more. And that's something we've talked about already, but I just can't say it enough of the importance and the power of art to do that. To help people see themselves in this issue, to help them emotionally connect to it, to remind them that this is a very human issue and to to make it matter more. And I think that, you know, I hope we accomplish those things. And I'm kind of excited to see the reception um, over the next couple months months. Uh, I don't know, and to learn and to carry it forward.
0: But before we go, I want you to listen to one more thing. You heard Aliza talk about the student artist that did the piece with Godzilla and the UFOs. Well, her name is Maggie. and She's a high school student in Ohio. I reached out to Maggie to talk to her about this piece of art and about how she feels about this giant issue of climate change. Take a listen. Maggie, how old are you? I'm 17 17. So what year were you born? 2006. When you hear climate change, what do you think?
2: Well, right now I'm thinking about how it didn't snow on Christmas.
0: Yeah. Do so you think kind of immediate weather and like how it's impacting you right now. Do you think about the future at all? Yeah, definitely. So this is pretty imaginative, what you've created. Can you kind of break it down for me? And let me know what your thought process was when you created it.
2: So um, we were just learning about printmaking in the class and we made these like gel pads out of gelatin and then we just put like acrylic and we had to make our own stencils and I had no idea what to do like for my stencil and I was just really interested in Godzilla at the moment um, because there was a new movie coming out at the time and I just there's just videos about it. So I was like doing research and I was like, you know what, I'll do something silly. I'll just do Godzilla. Um, And so... Yeah, I started with the stencils and then I was just like messing around. I was like, what other um, pop culture references can I put in? So there's also the UFO and the cows being picked up by the UFO. Um, And I just kept on adding layers and layers and stuff.
0: So what are your hopes when people look at this piece of art? What do you hope they get out of it?
2: First, I hope they think that it's like cool and they see all the different layers um, or that even if they think it's like silly, like I still... As long as it makes someone like be like, oh, that's cool. Um, but also thinking about how Godzilla was made because pollution and people like made a mistake and a lizard got infected and how even though climate change doesn't have a giant lizard attacking people, it's still it could still harm people. It, it's a real thing. It can impact people even if it's not physically a giant lizard.
0: If you want to see the art gallery that was featured in the 5th National Climate Assessment, it's on their website, which you can easily do a Google search with. You can also see the works of art featured in a video on our YouTube channel. Just search the National Weather Desk. The video is called The Power of Art to Inspire Climate Action. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you have an artist in your life or someone interested in climate communications, please share this episode with them. I'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to both Elise Lustig and Maggie for their time and their passion today. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.